Peace be upon you. God willing, in this episode, I want to discuss the topic of child marriage, which is sadly too frequent within Muslim communities throughout the world. And the other day I was reading an article about an Indonesian family that forced their adopted 12-year-old girl to marry a 45-year-old man who already had three other wives in order to repay a favor. So it's worth understanding some of the backstory to what took place as far as what the article uh, depicted. So apparently the uh, mother and father are the aunt and uncle of this girl biologically. And her actual parents, her biological parents are still alive. And when they heard about this, they filed a report with the Indonesian authorities uh, trying to intervene in this marriage. And they're trying to figure out if the marriage was consummated. And what does that what that means is did they have sex? And that's what they're waiting to hear, but there's no verdict on that yet. So how do they go about even conducting this marriage? Because Indonesian law prohibits anyone, I believe, who's below the age of 19 from even getting married. So this is where it gets even you know, more strange. They did something known as a Nika Siri. Nika in Arabic means uh, marriage, and Siri means secret. So it was a secret marriage. And the question is, why would you have to do uh, a secret marriage? Marriage is usually something that's announced, it's celebrated. So what's the intent there? And it's obvious is that they're doing something that's nefarious, something that's against the law, something that's frowned upon, and they have to do it in secrecy. Now, what does God say about these kind of secret conspiracies? In Surah 58, verse 8, it says, Have you noted those who are enjoined from conspiring secretly, then insist on conspiring? They conspire to commit sin, transgression, and disobedience of the messenger. These individuals, these adults, they knew what they were doing was wrong. They knew it was sinful, yet they continue to conduct that behavior. And it continues in verse 9, it says, Oh, you believe if you have to confer secretly, you shall not confer to commit sin, transgression, and to disobey the messenger. You shall confer to work righteousness and piety. You shall reverence God before whom you will be summoned. Secret conspiracy is the devil's idea through which he seeks to hurt those who believed. The fact that they had to conduct a secret marriage should be reason enough to question the motivations behind what's going on. But the aspect is, okay, what does God say in the Quran about such practices? So not only, you know, obviously uh, the concept of a secret marriage, but can a child even be married according to the Quran? We read in Surah 24 verse 33 that God equates forcing girls into a marriage of that of prostitution. And it reads in 2433, it says, Those who cannot afford to get married shall maintain morality until God provides from them from His grace. So it's discussing those who want to get married that God is going to provide for them. And it says, Those among your servants who wish to be freed in order to marry, you shall grant them their wish once you realize that they are honest. So here we're seeing that this is a mechanism that God is utilizing in the Quran in order to abolish slavery. Because when the Quran was revealed uh, in Arabia, just like the rest of the world, slavery was rampant. So what God is instituting here is a mechanism by which if an individual is a servant or a slave and they want their freedom because they want to get married, the uh, guardian has to grant that individual their freedom. And it gets even more than that. It says, and give them from God's money that he has bestowed upon you. Meaning that the owner of that slave not only has to grant freedom, but has to actually compensate them in order for them to be able to get married. Now, the next sentence, it says, you shall not force your girls to commit prostitution seeking the materials of this world if they wish to be chaste. 
If anyone forces them, then God, seeing that they are forced, is forgiver, merciful. So we're seeing that now God is saying that those, in essence, who are being forced into a marriage uh, that they do not willfully want to partake in, God is equating that to prostitution. According to the Quran, there are certain steps that have to uh, fall into play in order for marriage to happen. But all this falls under the umbrella of marriage. So the first step is the intent of wanting to be engaged. And uh, this is saying that, hey, we want to understand if we're compatible. And they call that the engagement process, but it's still part of marriage. During the engagement process, the couple mutually agree on a dowry that the husband is to give the wife. And during this time, they also set the dowry, meaning that whatever they agree upon, the husband has to provide during that this interim. Then finally, there's a solemn pledge from the husband to the wife, at which point they consummate the marriage. And consummation means that they have sex. Uh, that finalizes the marriage. Throughout the Quran, God calls this entire process marriage. But shows that there's different degrees, because if a marriage is broken before the dowry is set, or after the dowry is set before consummation or after consummation, that there is a different process. And each time you break the marriage, God references in the Quran as divorce. So it's worth having that baseline understanding. So an individual who's forced into a marriage that goes straight to consummation, it's as if it's a prostitution. If someone is not willing to want to partake in that marriage, then for all practical purposes, it's a form of prostitution. But what these Indonesian adults did to this 12-year-old girl is even worse than that. Because in Surah 24, verse 33, it says, You shall not force your girls to commit prostitution. The word for girls is fati. Fati means a girl who's fully developed, fully mature, sexually mature. It's not in reference to a child. So meaning that what these parents did to this child is even worse than prostitution. In Surah 2, verse 190, one, it reads, oppression is worse than murder. So not only did these adults in this secret conspiracy perform something worse than prostitution, it's actually worse than murder because they are traumatizing and oppressing this poor child who had no say in the matter. Surah 4 of the Quran is entitled Al-Nisa, which translates to the woman. And if you start reading this surah, you'll realize that it starts talking about the rights of orphans, and then it talks about marriage. It talks about uh, leaving a uh, will for a spouse. Uh, it talks about mutual transactions. And all this is encompassed in this surah around women. Now, 429 uses a blanket rule for the entire Quran. It says, O you who believe, do not consume each other's properties illicitly. Only mutually acceptable transactions are permitted. God is informing us that in order for two people to transact, both sides have to be mutually acceptable to the terms, meaning you cannot force a transaction onto someone else. And this is in the context of property, but you think about it, what is the most precious property someone has? It's their own self, their own body. If someone is able to force someone into a marriage, force them, in essence, to be sexually submissive to another individual. This is not a mutually acceptable transaction. This completely breaks the laws of the Quran. But the question is, can a child even partake in a transaction? 
We read in the same surah, in verse 4, verse 6, sorry, surah 4, verse 6, it reads, you shall test the orphans. So it's in reference to the orphans when they reach puberty. As soon as you find them mature enough, give them their property. Do not consume it extravagantly in a hurry before they grow up. What's fascinating is the word that's used here that's translated as puberty. It says, you shall test the orphans when they reach puberty, is al-nikah. If you recognize this is the same root, almost the same word as that of marriage. And what does this word mean? So al-nikah, the word for marriage, has multiple meanings. One of them is to tie a knot. One, The other one is to, to be married. But then also it's in reference to the age by which one can be married. And it just happens to be when someone is sexually mature. This is what the word al-nikah means. Someone who's done with puberty. So here it's saying you shall test the orphans when they reach puberty. As soon as you find them mature enough, give them their properties. Their properties mean the, the decisions over their own well-being, their own physical property, but their selves as well. And it says do not consume it extravagantly in a hurry before they grow up. This is going against individuals who are forcing their girls who have not reached that state into a marriage that they don't want to partake in. What else is interesting is this word al-nikah, it means something else. Al-nikah also means a contract because marriage is a contract. But it also means the age by which one is capable of signing a contract independently. So in order for someone to be married, to meet the criteria of al-nikah, they have to, one, be fully developed past the age of puberty, that they have to be sexually mature and also capable of signing a contract independently that until they reach that age they're incapable of consummating a marriage under the eyes of the quran now the question is what about you know you hear these stories of children you know in essence being uh, promised to one another uh, in islamic jurisprudence and the reality is they are technically not allowed to consummate to finalize that contract until they are of age and you see this practice where they'll promise children uh, to one another. Usually this is done in political marriages uh, to, to form bonds between tribes, a lot in history. But Quranically, the two are not allowed to finalize that marriage until that both parties are past that age. And even then, it has to be mutually acceptable, meaning that you cannot force someone in to a contract that they don't want to partake in that both the husband and the wife have to meet this criteria. And if they don't, then it is not sanctioned in the Quran as a legitimate marriage. So to recap, in order for a marriage to be lawful, both parties have to be mutually accepting of the marriage. Both parties have to be sexually mature. Both parties have to be able to sign a contract independently. That if this criteria is not met, there is no way that lawfully, in the eyes of the Quran, that this couple can proceed with the marriage. Now, obviously, as we mentioned before, there's other criteria that needs to be met. But this is the bare minimum in order for two people to be able to be married. So what these adults did to this poor child is nothing short than oppression, which God equates is as worse than murder. God willing, they can save this child before she's traumatized anymore, that she's able to go back to being a child and not have to suffer this traumatic experience.
God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. Or if you want to get an awesome word-by-word -word translation of the Arabic Quran, uh, check out the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store or go on quranstudyapp.com for the, uh, the website. And if you like the podcast, then please leave us a review, share it with other people. And until next time, peace and God bless.